This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello everybody and welcome to By the Book. I am Lee Trilin and with me is my fellow studier of language, former confused college student Shamila Ganesan. All of those things. Hello. And uh, joining us for our monthly book club is a producer right here on the station, right here for our other show, in fact, Evening Edition, Alia Zepri. Alia, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, it's nice to be here. So Alia is joining us because it is customary for us, A, to have a guest for our book club episodes, but also sometimes to have the guest recommend the book. And that's what happened this time. And if you're wondering why Sharmila was introduced in a certain way, it is because we're talking about a book that is called The Idiot, uh, which is written by Elif Batuman. So I'm a big fan of Elif Batuman's other writing. Um, you know, she's a, she's a staff writer with The New Yorker. She's written essays. And I love the way she works with language. So I was actually very excited to read um, her fiction, finally, because I've never read anything uh, fictional that she's written. So thank you for recommending it. I am curious, though, why you picked this book to recommend to us, Alia. Well, actually... I thought this book was really funny. <laughs> I read this book uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, actually. So during the lockdown, I googled books that I just searched books that are funny. And then this popped up. I liked the main character. I thought that she had that her monologue was familiar <laughs> in a way. And yeah, I did think it was funny. So that's why. <laughs> I think funny is a good description for the book, actually. And the other stuff, because Sharmila has different thoughts on this. I'm just going to lay that out up front. Uh, the other stuff, I think, comes from the stylistic choices in many ways that the book employs. And the book employs those very purposefully. So The Idiot, you may actually better know it as a novel by Fyodor Dostoevsky. So that, in some ways, uh, lays out the intentions of the novelist quite clearly, in the sense that it's a play on this idea of a Russian novel. It gives... Um, you know, a mundane experience, the Russian novel treatment. But it basically focuses on the adventures of the main character, Celine, who goes to Harvard, is a Turkish-American student, kind of wanders around through her first year, taking a variety of classes, decides that she wants to do language, um, takes Russian for some reason, reads really oblique passages and falls in love with her classmate, who she then exchanges long, meaningful, meaningless emails with Ivan. Meaningful, meaningless feels like it should encompass the entire book. Um, and, and I don't mean that necessarily a bad way. I will say up front, um, I wasn't the biggest fan of this book. I loved the first third, really struggled with the remainder. And I think um, I think actually, if you, if you look at it through the frame of what it's even trying to do, it might become clear why perhaps you have to be at a particular point in time, perhaps in a particular frame of mind to enjoy this book. I liked the way she uses language, right? And and I think the relationship to Russian literature, the uh, focus on the minutia of the mundane and the daily are all things that she's obviously very inspired from Russian literature by. And the way she applies it to the coming of age story of a, of a young woman who's just entered this new threshold in life. I, I found that actually really clever and very interesting. And then, uh, Alia, you mentioned funny. And, and I think a lot of that comes from that, the... What's the word? The dramatizing of stuff that's actually quite everyday and normal and in a way almost making us look back at us at a particular point in time and laughing at ourselves or the way these huge things felt huge, but in reality were actually quite small. Um, that said, 
I think that you know when with Seinfeld the whole this is a show about nothing that gets stretched in this novel so much that for me by halfway through the book the nothingness took over and I'm just like what is this actually about there's very little for me to want to continue reading for I I get that I do think um so I know that the book is it's divided I had a friend read it actually when I was reading it as well and that was the thing that she said nothing happened <laughs> and I think that for me I just liked being in the main character's company I like really liked her thoughts so I think that's the I think people who like the book like the main character I, I understand that nothing happens basically but <laughs> actually so the thing is right we keep saying nothing happens but she goes from Harvard to Paris and onwards to Istanbul I mean Hungary Hungary yeah Hungary oh my gosh Hungary how could I forget the, the Hungary section Hungary yes. as well um you know so I I understand why we're all saying nothing happened because the truth is nothing happened but um we're actually talking about a young woman who had a pretty big adventure right like one of the central Central crises or decisions that happen in the novel is whether or not she should go and teach English in a remote village where a fellow teacher was once attacked by a child with antlers, and, and that's a very big thing. Like, like they keep going on and on about that. Um, but I think the reason why we feel like nothing happens um, is actually the central character who I want to talk about a bit more because um, the thing about Celine is she has trouble processing everything um, in that everything the reason why everything gets that mundane treatment is because Celine feels the need to question things like why do we even say hello why did he wave to me why did I switch on the lights you know and and everything is given that sort of um, like a passage about why this is happening and I so I haven't said whether I liked the book I liked it um, I found it funny I thought that it was a send-up in some ways of who we are in college <laughs> where these things are sometimes truly the biggest things that we think about and I I enjoyed it, but I also found it uh, at times a slog. And that has to do with my conflicting feelings about Celine. So Alia, as our resident Celine defender, <laughs> I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a bit more about what you liked about her. Because she doesn't, she's a very passive person. Mm-hmm. I, I thought she was familiar. Mm. I feel like maybe, I don't want to say it, but... <laughs> She's sort of like me, I feel. Own it, I think, own it. No shame. <laughs> I don't want to say, but yeah, I felt like she was like me. Um, not in not in the I went to an Ivy League school kind of thing, but I thought that there were times when she was smart in the way that she observed people and uh, the people around her uh, concepts. And I liked that she was both unaware and also there were some things that she was aware hyper of aware herself. yeah, yeah. Mm. but yeah i like those contradictions about her she was just a very confused person <laughs> she was so confused and then she met ivan ivan who was also who seemed confused as well um oh, yeah ivan my god oh, <laughs> ivan. i dislike that person so much <laughs> okay sharmila i feel like I have kept you, you know, kind of tethered for too long in this conversation. Please feel free to unleash however you feel about Celine and Ivan. Well, actually, you know what, to be fair, the, the Ivan-Celine relationship was the one that I thought was very well developed mm. in the sense that they managed to capture a girl at that, that particular point in life where she kind of gets infatuated with uh, a guy who's slightly older, who seems more worldly. Whom she's um, trying to impress. And, and she's very much trying to impress. And he kind of hurts her in a particular way, right? And in a way that she's not even really able to verbalize. I thought that part was done really well. But 
I think my resistance to this novel actually goes back to something Alia brought up earlier that you liked being in Celine's company, um, and I realized that for me I didn't, and 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 because of that, um, it it kind of it kind of made everything difficult, right? Like. Um, all the other characters, because they were told through her lens, um, after a while started feeling a little much of the muchness. Um, I I also thought that she the passiveness got to me after a while. Um, actually, the closest comes the closest to me um, the closest to how I felt uh, comes from a, a review I think I I saw in one of the Goodreads reviews because I had to go and see whether I was the only one who had this issue, and someone said. This feels like reading someone's like college diary or journal. And why would I do that? Why would I read anyone else's but my own? And and I think that in a way, that resonated with me. It felt almost too real and too mundane and too much of a particular slice of life that I didn't enjoy. We're talking today about The Idiot, uh, which is a 2017 novel by Alif Batuman, uh, which at the time received a lot of critical acclaim and I think has subsequently gone on, as you can see, to somewhat divide readers. So um, let us know, have you read The Idiot? Do you plan to... Are we making it sound good, I guess? I, I can't even tell, which is very Celine of me. Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Best Flipping Moments BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Buy the Book with Lynn Sharmila and our guest today, Alia, who recommended our book for our monthly book club, which is The Idiot, um, not the Dostoevsky, but the Batuman, Elif Batuman specifically. I wanted to talk about language. How do we feel about the language in this book? Because the novel uses language in a very particular way, but it's also using the novel as a way to study language. And it's quite a layered thing. In some ways, um, you could argue that Celine's affair, such as it is with Ivan, is actually based on the mundanity and strangeness of language, because that's part of what they talk about. Um, I actually, for all my complaining about the book, thought that the language and the writing was one of the strongest things about it. I loved the fact that she starts off being fascinated by linguistics and language and literature. And pretty much the entire novel is about that, right? She even frames her relationships with people through things like linguistics and, and narrative and, and narratives. Yeah. And, and I actually thought that was very clever. Again, I like Elif Batuman's other writing. And, and so this is something I've seen her do in, in nonfiction writing as well. She's, she loves language. And I think the fact that she's a bilingual speaker often impacts how she views the role of language in storytelling. And that for me, actually for me, that was one of the novel's strong points that kept me going. I liked it as well. I liked the classes that Celine took. I liked the language used in the book as well. I thought that um, Elif Batuman, um, I liked the way she wrote. I loved that the um, the writing was very, it wasn't complex, but it was very, it was very dense. And uh, I liked that Celine herself liked language. I felt like that was something that I really enjoyed about her. Um, in one part of the book, she spoke about how much she believed in the Sapir Wharf theory, and I really liked that as well. She often talked about Ivan, uh, about his identity, his culture, and I really like reading that part. Um, I didn't hate Ivan actually. <laughs> 
So I didn't either, mostly because mostly because I felt like, uh, Shamila, you brought up earlier how we're seeing everybody else yes. through Celine's lens. And mm. Celine has no understanding of him whatsoever. It is like watching a whale try and comprehend a potato. You know, it's just an impossible exercise. Like she, she does not understand him, but she's really drawn to him. And so because of that, I also found him impossible to dislike, even if I think that he is a very bad date. And this is something that is consistent in the book the choices that he makes you know like mm-hmm. um oh hey you're not dressed appropriately let's let's go on a canoe or you know I, i'm let's go on a quick swim before i meet my girlfriend which is a whole other thing and so i i think that that part independent of celine's observations of the man lead me closer to the this guy <laughs> the, this guy end of the spectrum I, I definitely felt her hurt and her angst uh, toward him, but I didn't hate him. I felt like he was, at most times, pretty straightforward uh, in the way that, uh, well, sometimes he wasn't, like, especially the girlfriend part. And he, I think he made it clear at one point in the book that he felt like maybe he was leading her on. And then he felt that he liked her, that it was an ego, it was an ego rush for her, that she was in love with him. And I mean... In real life, I'd probably be like, oh, this guy. But seeing it in a, like that, I felt like he was complex. I felt like he, he was like, mm, this guy I didn't hate him. Didn't hate him. I think it's me being the 30-something-year-old woman looking <laughs> yeah. back at an 18-year-old going, girl, red flags, really, red flags, don't do this. So that's probably where my dislike comes from. Can I say, though, speaking of language, I love the story within the story that exists. Uh, the, the Nina and Ivan Russian little story that they learn in between to brush up their Russian. I thought that was the cleverest thing um the way the way the complexity of the language becomes more intense as they're learning russian um i thought it was so clever it was very clever and it was also very funny. And I think that yes. that is the novel in some ways functioning at its best. I would like to note at this point also that Sharmila, the part you like doesn't involve Celine. Um, <laughs> it involves Nina and another Ivan. Uh, but I, I found that really funny mostly because of the opacity of the story to, to all of us, right? It's, it's a very strange story about a woman who pursues her fiancé to a farm in Siberia in Siberia in a farm that is actually a physics lab and he actually is someone else and um and it's a very strange little uh, interlude and i think perhaps it's much needed in um in in an otherwise very mundane classroom setting where you suddenly get to like dart away and and go through whatever it is that Nina's going through mm-hmm. i like the story as well i thought it was insane <laughs> I thought the language, I think it was the language. I think it was the fact that, uh, you know, they were learning as uh, the story progresses. And so I I thought it was the language. It made the story sound unhinged for some reason. And I like that. Like Celine, because I have said that I I feel like her. I thought that the story, the Nina story did end rather, not in a way that I would like. I feel it tied up so neatly. And I wanted it to also end in a chaotic way in that's a mad true way. that's true because yes. it, it's an unhinged story that ends in a disney way actually mm. i don't want to i don't want to spoil it somehow but um you know in case you plan to read it, it that's something that happens and it was actually very strange um i think that uh to go back to the ivan thing i think a part of it for me is ultimately how much of it is ivan's fault and how much of it is celine's passivity because i think that um alia you brought up a really good point about how at some points, he was actually pretty straightforward. He straight up told her, 
like, listen, I I don't think that this is going to work out or I have a girlfriend. And and also every person in the book warns her against him, like her mysterious mm-hmm. mother, her chaotic best friend, like everyone just continuously. I love her best friend. Me too, me too. Svetlana, her. right? Oh, yes. I love her. Yeah. yeah. So, Actually, yeah. it's so weird, right? I'm realizing the more I talk about it that you're right. The only thing I don't like about the book is actually Celine. Um, because I, I clearly liked so many other things. Like every time Svetlana popped up on the page, I was just like, oh my God, this girl, she's crazy. I love her. Yeah, I really liked her point of view. She really, she's really different than Celine. <laughs> she's so different. Was she the one who said it's hard to be, to say something sincere without it being pretentious? And then I felt like that was sort of the book because I have seen some people saying, what a pretentious book, you know, because mm. because of how, um, I mean, Celine goes to Harvard and she is, she does come off as sometimes sounding like, oh, what is this? going on no yeah um I, I think it's the whole you know I know better than my lecturers my lecturers are not you know they're all so blasé about everything and and there's a sense of a a sort of self-absorption and a sort of I'm better than a lot of people which to be fair she doesn't actually think she's better than people she just comes across that way sometimes and and I can see where that that notion of pretentious slash sincere comes from because that's really, again, the dichotomy of the book almost entirely. The more we talk about her, the more I like Celine. I think this is where I've ended up. Yeah, uh, mostly because I think she's so funny and I think that it takes a lot of effort to write a main character who is passive to the point of bogging the book down and yet is also somehow the source of most of what is funny. You know, so it's it's a really weird balance that she's managed to strike Uh, because Celine and like, surrounding characters call her out for this that sometimes she just sits there and doesn't make decisions as a way of coping with things um, she swims in the I, I presume Bosporus for just hours at, at a time and like that's just her way of dealing with things she's just kind of earnest and ridiculous and I find her really delightful I've decided that I, I'm a Celine fan well I was going to ask and, and I think you guys know my answer because Elif Batumans just put out the sequel, Either Or. Um, in fact, it actually just came out this month and it, it deals with the Celine, you know, post-college, I oh, think. Good. Are, you guys, are you guys keen? I mean, I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm not going to read this book. But, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I'm really keen. <laughs> I like to know what happens. I mean, I mean, she's 18 in this book, right? So I feel that uh, a lot of her uh, confusion and a lot of her not knowing what she wants to do, um, what she feels actually, is because she's at the age. So, I mean, I like to see what happens, whether she has progressed and all that. And, oh, I wonder if Ivan is in that book. I wonder if there's going to be a new chaotic sort of love interest, a, a parody love interest. I think she called Ivan that at one point, like a parody. That's true, that's true. I'm keen uh, mostly because I find this book really funny, as I've said repeatedly now, um, and also because it's strangely earnest. There's something about the earnestness of the book that touches me. And I'd like to see, who knows, maybe a more battle-hardened Celine, you know, show up in either or. I don't know. And, and there's oh something God, about... What would that be like? Exactly. I am exactly. actually curious now. Oh my God, darn you all. <laughs> This is where we've ended up. The last thing I'll say about this is that I don't think that this is an adaptable book. And I'm kind of pleased about that. I don't see, I don't understand how this could be a film unless it's by Greta Gerwig and like, you know, just has people mumbling around 
hungry. Um, but otherwise, it, you know, it's not exactly something like a, like a normal people where you could see it adapted into a mini series or something. I, I feel like it's it's meant to be a book and it will live as a book. I appreciate that about it. How did we both think of Greta Gerwig? But you're right. Yeah, I, I it's the mumbling. Yeah, but it's so internal that I, I don't see it ever being adequately captured on screen. No, I like that it's written in book form. I like that it's a diary of sorts. I feel like that's how it should be and that's how it should remain. We've been talking today about Elif Batuman's The Idiot. Uh, in other words, the title that we've been exploring in our May book club. Let us know, have you read The Idiot? Do you plan to? WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes uh, where Alia has kindly stuck around. Um, because we spent so much time talking about Celine and the idiot, um, we thought that on this side of things, it might be fun to talk about the experience of reading characters that we find unlikable, particularly when they're the central characters, right? And whether or not that means that we find it hard to read the book. Um, Sharmila, I feel like you said a lot <laughs> about this, but I don't know if this is universal or if this was particular to this book. So I actually really like novels where the central characters are like complex or difficult or even unlikable. Um, I don't know why I'm on such a Russian bend right now might be because of um, Celine's obsession with Russian literature, but I'm thinking of even like Anna Karenina, for instance, or Lolita, right? Um, both of which, um, you know, Humbert Humbert, obviously extremely unlikable, but extremely magnetic. Um, on the other hand, Anna herself is actually very similar to Celine. She's a Celine. Ways. Yeah. yeah very self-absorbed but I think that I think that what keeps the novel going is that the the story surrounding the difficult character needs to have a great amount of forward motion which perhaps for me is the main difference right with the with the idiot and and these two novels that I just said but no I actually generally really like unlikable protagonists hmm, I'm of two minds I feel I feel like so I like Celine though. I can recognize why she's annoying. I think the other, there's another character that I read that I didn't like and that made me not like the book as well. It's The Invisible Life of Eddie. Eddie LaRue. Eddie LaRue, yeah. Have you guys read it? Not yet. No. Yeah, so I didn't like her. I didn't like the character. And so she. I thought she was. Um, Miserable, I don't know, <laughs> which I didn't. I didn't feel so. I think I feel. I didn't feel so for Celine. Um, I thought she was really bleak and self-absorbed in a way. I don't know why I didn't feel that way towards Celine. I thought that she was also pretty in her head all the time. But maybe she was funny. Maybe hmm. maybe the way she was in her head was funny. So that made it forgivable for me. Yeah, I was gonna say that I think that one of the defining characteristics that help when a character is either supposed to be unlikable or is in fact unlikable is when they're also charming. Um, I'm thinking about Jane Austen who does this very well, right? Like if we think about our Mr. Darcy's and uh, our Emma's, like they're all mm. unlikable in some ways. Both of them actually share the trait of arrogance and of thinking that they know better than others. Mr. Darcy mm. like thinks that a proposal is an insult, like that that's how you get someone to marry you. But the rest of the novel is charming. And uh, there's also some charm kind of inherently written into the 
these characters that helps you go, okay, like I, I understand where this is going and what it's trying to do. I think that uh, where I struggle tends to be if I'm reading characters at a point in my life and, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to name names or anything, but I feel like if there is a person in your life who is currently aggravating you and then you read a novel in which the character is aggravating in almost the exact same way, that's the kind of thing that interrupts my reading of a novel. Not so much with a short story, though. I think this is particular to novels because of the time investment. Ah, the time investment is an interesting one because I think that if a, if a character is unlikable and you have to spend a lot of time with them, um, there has to be something else that keeps you going. For a lot of a lot of people, it's actually the charm or the humor or the fact that perhaps you're actually just waiting for them to get their comeuppance, right? Um, great expectations, actually. Very few of the characters are likable at all. Um, and yet, like, the story is so, you're like, oh my God, what is going to happen to these people that you keep reading? And and so I, in fact, actually think that if an author gets you to stick with a character, even though you dislike them, it's actually something... Um, it, it's a it's a mark of their talent because um, vanilla goody goody characters are actually not very fun. So Alia, did you end up finishing the Invisible Life of Addie Larue despite the the bleakness of the central character? I did. So I thought the concept was actually pretty good. So I finished it because I wanted to know whether all her um, difficulties, whether they were tied up in the end, whether they whether she solved them and things like that. Despite me not liking her, I, I finished it because I wanted to know. I think the story itself, the concept was really good. It's just that the way, it's just that her character was. I felt a little bit. Devoid of personality, I think. I think that's the word. Yeah, I think that was it for me. I didn't relate to her. Basically, the book is about her actually living forever, but having people not remember her. So she lived that way, but I felt that she didn't learn any lessons. I felt that she didn't see that um, the things that she had learned, the art that she had seen and stuff like that, I felt like she didn't take it in as a positive. But then I think that it's because, you know, she's so lonely and stuff. Oh my God, is she just a Louis from Interview with a Vampire? I was going to say, I think she's more or less a, a Louis. That's what it sounds like. But also the lead character devoid of personality thing, I think is a good thought to finish on because that's actually kind of a common thing in novels, especially high concept novels, which I mean, I haven't read Eddie LaRue, but it, it kind of sounds like it, it falls into that category. And I think that more often than not, um, sometimes with very high concept novels or novels where they're, they're pushing a certain narrative, uh, the lead character is almost an afterthought because the point is the story not the character and and that it's interesting because I hadn't thought of a void of personality as a reason to dislike a character, but that's actually a perfectly valid way to go about it I mean I, I understand it it's not necessarily something I feel very keenly but I get it I think the other place where they do that is um, actually in YA, books, YA. right? Um, Hunger Games or Harry Potter, where the lead character is almost left intentionally kind of a blank because the reader is supposed to fill themselves into that role. And really how much you like that character depends on how much of yourself you see in them. Oh, wow. I felt very attacked. <laughs> How so? Um, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to say uh, previously. I didn't want to say that I thought Celine was very relatable to me, especially um, back when I was in college and going through those things. And I still feel that way. Um, attacked in a good way, by the way, not in a bad way. I feel. Yeah, I don't want to say that. I I, I don't want to feel that. I only like books because the, those characters feel like me. But particularly for Celine. That was why 
actually. Uh, that was why I recommended it, actually. And I yeah. think that makes a lot of sense. And maybe the reason I don't relate to it is because I don't see myself in it. Not necessarily that she's a badly written character. Mm. This is a perfect belly button looking way to finish a book club about the idiot, by the way. I'm so happy. Uh, we've been talking today about two things. Uh, so we started off by book clubbing Elif Batuman's The Idiot. And in this half of the show, on this third of the show, we have uh, instead been talking about reading characters that we find unlikable and what that's like, how it affects our experience reading novels. Let us know. Um, do you need to like a lead character in order to continue with a novel? Is that something that troubles you? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.